Thursday, December 10th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today, down from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, from Motley Fool Stock Advisor Alex Scherer. Good to see you. Um, how are you, Chris? Nice I, to see I you. I am too. better for the sight of you, my friend. Oh, it's, that's it, kind it, of you to I say. don't even remember the last time you were in the studio. I know it was at some point earlier this year. Dishing some holiday joy at me. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we are going to talk about mobile payment because that industry just got more interesting. We probably have to start with a, just a quick word about Chipotle because it was in this studio yesterday where I made the comment I would feel better as an investor, as a shareholder of Chipotle, if the CEOs were out in front. Where is Monty Moran? Where is Stephen Ells? I don't know that anyone at Chipotle actually listens to Market Fuller. Well, clearly they do. But Stephen Ells, the founder, co CEO, of Chipotle was on the Today Show this morning. Amongst your dozens of loyal listeners, apparently, is <laughs> Stephen Ells. I'm pretty sure Stephen Ells has a lot more things on his mind than listening to Market Foolery. You saw a little bit of the interview. I did. You felt like he did the job he needed to do. It was fine. I'm told that Steve Ells really hates getting in front of a camera, and you know he's the founder and a co-CEO. But amongst his co-CEO duties, traditionally, is not. Um, you know, marketing the company to the you know to the consumer base, uh, getting in front of TV you know in, t- in front of TV cameras. Uh, but that being said, he 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 did fine. I think you pointed out that he looked maybe a little bit uh, awkward and and perhaps wasn't uh, at his best. But I, I think he did the job that he needed to do. Um, and I think that given uh, Chipotle's loyal the you know the 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 depth of loyalty of their fan base, that you know he did what he needed to do and. and and you can move forward from here. It looks like Wall Street agrees with that sentiment because the stock is up today, and certainly all the headlines in the wake of the interview are highlighting the fact that he talked about how he was deeply sorry, uh, his words, how they're working to make Chipotle the safest restaurant in the world. I do think that his lack of ease on camera was working against him a little bit at times. And it's one of those things where, look, it, it's an odd thing to be comfortable on camera. Or, or it, it's an odd skill. Let's mm-hmm. put it that sure. way. And as investors in public companies, we don't need our CEOs to be great on television. Some of them are. That's right. I think Howard Schultz is great on television. But Stephen Ells, he's not great on TV, but and and so the only the, my only concern as a shareholder when I was watching it was, I think some people are going to look at his nervousness at times and think uh, it looks like he's fumbling for his words when in fact he's just a little bit nervous because he's on TV. It's- I get that, and I think maybe that's a reason why he was on the Today Show talking to the customer base as opposed to on you know Bloomberg or, or CNBC right. talking to the investor base because this is a story that's not about placating the shareholders it's a story about getting those uh, consumers getting the customers uh, back into the store feeling comfortable that the company is sort of on top of uh, the issues and cares deeply about um, you know making the stores uh, a safe place to eat the mobile payment industry has been one of the more interesting industries to watch over the last couple of years when you just look at the major players, when you look at the startups like Square, Zoom, PayPal, etc., and now a little company by the name of Walmart has I've entered them, yeah. has yeah. entered the space. Walmart is launching its own mobile payment system. They're starting small. They're testing it in Arkansas. In Arkansas, and launching uh, it today, rolling it out. I believe over the next six months or over the nine months, over the next nine months, um, 
uh, in the rest of the United States, and it'll be uh, an app that'll be available on both the Apple iPhone as well as the Android uh, system. Um, you know, I think people people spend a lot of time focused on uh, the the app versus Apple Pay or the app versus Google Pay uh, as as if that's the real sort of competition, uh, and that is if this is this going to be a blow to Apple in, in some way or, or or make Apple customers less likely to purchase the next iPhone. Certainly, uh, that's what all the headline Walmart writers app. are are thinking today. If you just look yeah, at the headlines, it's all like Walmart all is taking Apple on Pay. Apple yeah. Pay, and it's, that's that's actually completely besides the point, in my opinion. That I think that this move is just one more salvo in a very, very long-running, vicious war between merchants and the credit card companies, the credit card uh, processors, and the networks uh, like Visa and uh, Mastercard. And the reason I say that is because, um, well, first of all, obviously the Apple app is going to be available on the iPhone just as it is on uh, on on. Google on Android phones, um, but if you think about what Walmart's real motivations are, like they don't really care what phone is in your pocket. They care very, very deeply about how much they pay every time you swipe a credit card or use um, uh, a payment uh, system. They want you to use. Uh, uh, well, in Target's case, for instance, they want you to use the Target card, uh, or they want you to use the debit card network. And Walmart wants it, wants you to use your debit card, not your credit card, because they their processing system uh, they pay you know basically about one tenth the cost uh, if you use the a, a debit card uh, through the automated clearinghouse network as opposed to using Visa or Mastercard's rails. And so, the, creating this app allows them to have control, to have control of the data, to have control of the customer data, uh, and to uh, event. Eventually, if it's successful, uh, to you know promote uh, u- more heavy usage of debit cards, Walmart gift cards, and anything else other than credit cards, which they pay very very steep fees for. I'm not rushing out to buy shares of Walmart because of this news, but I like the way they're going about this. I mean, I'm sure that when they were having these discussions, someone must have put forward the idea. Well, look, why don't we just why don't we buy Square, or you know, why don't why don't we just go out and acquire a startup or or something like that yes. and go about that this way? And I like the fact that they're going with their own system and rolling it out over time. I think that this, if this has any real implications for anybody in particular, it's going to be for the MCX network or the currency. Uh, system, which Walmart was a huge proponent of, one of the leaders of, as it was created, and that was a wallet that was basically owned by a, 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 a lot of large merchants like Rite Aid and Best Buy and Walmart and on down the line. And that was specifically trying to create a system that was uh, an alternative to um, Apple, Apple Pay, and. Uh, Google Pay, uh, but has been, um, you know, had a ton of uh, delays. is not a very easy system to use. And Walmart coming out with their own proprietary system that basically is in direct competition to what they had been supporting before, I think pretty much spells the death of the currency uh, network. And so the implications outside of Walmart, I think, are that you're going to see those other companies, the Targets, the Best Buys, the Rite Aids uh, of the world, um, base, you know, drop currency as a uh, as a system System in the in the future, and probably more uh, strongly grasp uh, partnerships with uh, Apple and and Android. Do you think it does anything to speed up the death of the penny? 
the <laughs> physical penny. God, I can't remember the last time I used a penny. Just I was a, cleaning out my basement last week. Actually, I found a, a Ziploc bag that was it was so heavy. There were nothing but pennies in there, and I didn't didn't spend the time counting it out. But there must have been I don't know three or four hundred pennies in there, and didn't even couldn't even conceive of why I would have put a stack of 300 pennies into a Ziploc bag before. You got a Coinstar machine anywhere near your home? You <laughs> we just, do, yeah. You just drop it There's off one there. at Wegmans, actually. There you go. <laughs> we do go to Wegmans. You do go, we were just talking about that before we started taping. You are. I'm you're, Wegmans champion. You're one of Wegmans' best customers. <laughs> <right>. Unfortunately. <laughs> the Federal Reserve is meeting next week. They're having their two-day meeting. It is widely expected they're going to raise interest rates a quarter percent. But you know who's not going to be raising interest rates anytime soon is the Bank of England. You had flagged a story about how the Bank of England, the low oil prices and slower wage growth leads to the Bank of England coming out and saying the U.S. can do what it wants. We're not going to automatically bump up rates just because they are. Yeah, these lower interest, lower for longer sort of interest rate paradigm that we've been in has been, gosh, I guess it's like six years in the making now, um, and I think really. It, it is just one more piece of evidence that globally we have been going through a pretty dramatic deflationary scenario that looks a lot like what Japan's general, you know, 20 to 25 year deflation uh, has looked like uh, to date. Um, and it, you know, I'm not a macro investor. I'm not I'm not buying, uh, you know, buying or selling treasury bonds or, or, or futures or whatever. Uh, but the implications. Come on, that's for, really sexy. But the <laughs> but the I think the implications for stock market investors, for business owners, for business investors, uh, is uh, that um, it's just sort of you know one more uh, promotion of the idea that that it's really the highest quality. Companies in the world that have the most pricing power, that are the sort of quote unquote safest places to play. Uh, as a little bit of a contrarian investor personally, that's been very damaging to my portfolio over the last uh, year because I I've placed a lot of bets, uh, sort of you know looking for that uh, really disparate m market where the quality players are are um, you know ha are, are, have. Big increasing PE ratios and and the you know energy and commodity type stocks have gotten really uh, decimated. Uh, eventually, that will turn around. But as long as this deflationary sort of scenario that the central banks are indicating um, is here and will continue to be here, as long as it sticks around, it's those highest quality Nikes and Costco's and Googles and Visas that are going to be um, you know continue to have the kind of multiple expansion that they've seen. And it's been really really dramatic. I mean, a lot of these stocks are look very very expensive versus their historic average. Um, uh, P.E. ratios. When you start thinking about the start of 2016, is there an industry that you find yourself gravitating towards? I know that energy has not been kind to you, or frankly, to anyone really, over the last 12 to 18 months. Mm -hmm. uh, is, are you still looking at the energy industry, or are there other places you're looking to in 2016? No, oh, I am. The energy and basic materials industries, for a contrarian Mm, uh, investor uh, still look, you know, very very attractive. Um, th th there's a company that we're looking at um, in Stock Advisor right now, which we'll be publishing next week, so I won't talk about the specifics of the company right now. Um, but uh, you know, th it plays in that space and is a you know a high quality player, but in a very dramatically beaten down industry, and it's something that we have you know we're considering very highly uh, uh, coming up. Um, uh, you know, we have traditionally. Uh, really focused in on these highest quality players, and 
was a time where they just didn't get the credit they were due. And so, you know, we've been very successful uh, uh, owning and, and continuing to recommend those companies like Nike and, and Google and Facebook and the rest of it. Uh, but you won't see too many of those companies on the top of our Best Buys Now list uh, today. You've got a, you know, Nike has gone from an average PE of 20 to 33 times earnings today, Costco from 24 to 31. Um, Facebook was, you know, a 75 PE player. Obviously, you know, a very strong grower, but it's up to 105 times earnings today. Uh, Visa from going from 23 to 30 times earnings. So these are not, you know, th- this is the market saying that pricing power wins in a no growth global market, and w- the market is willing to pay up for them. Uh, it makes it very difficult to have dramatic outperformance, I think, in those companies in the ensuing five years, unless we really are in uh, this sort of dramatic deflationary scenario, and it lasts a, a heck of a lot longer than I suspect it will. I'm going to ask you to look into your crystal ball with respect to the energy industry. My expectation... Pork bellies. <laughs> pork bellies. <laughs> I think something very exciting is going to happen in pork bellies. At the beginning of this year, I really expected to see a lot of M&A activity in the energy industry. And we've had some of that, but not really to the degree that I or I think a lot of other people were expecting. And I'm wondering if it's being pushed out another year. Because we were talking about it this morning, that that you go back in time one year, plenty of people were saying, oil's going to bounce back. That's right. And that's no longer the case. And I'm wondering if, if some of this if now some of these companies, smaller players in oil and gas, that have made it through 2015 are now looking at 2016 and thinking, gosh, if things don't turn around fast, we're going to have to look for a dance partner. Uh, so I think there's two things going on here that, that, that explain why there's been fairly low M&A activity in that space. First of all is that there has not really been a meeting of the minds between potential buyers and uh, potential sellers. And a lot of that is the dynamic that you just uh, described, where uh, oil uh, producers in particular are saying, well, we're basing our, uh, our expectations and, and what we see this company worth on a $60 oil um, you know, uh, price deck or a $50 oil price deck, and buyers are looking at this and saying, "Well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us. That 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 doesn't suggest that the price you're offering the company at is is a bargain." And so, you know, we're we're less interested in buying it. And secondly, and maybe even more importantly, is that as this sort of tremendous volatility in the oil markets is taking place, there's actually uh, it's becoming more and more difficult to obtain financing. Uh, to f- fund you know new uh, new growth uh, projects and to fund uh, M and A and so you've seen that uh, with you know investment banks that specialize in energy businesses have had a dramatic slowdown uh, because of that the financing is very very difficult and frankly uh, you know in in circumstances like this when there's a huge washout in oil prices potential buyers are are less likely to say well I'm going to go and buy the equity of your company and, and buy it out from shareholders and instead say well things look bad enough that if we can just be patient, a lot of these smaller players are just going to go bankrupt, and we can buy the assets for pennies on the dollar, rather than having to buy the uh, equity and then carry this you know, big debt loads that these companies have. you got to come down here more often. <laughs> Love you. having you in here. Thanks for being here. Yeah, nice to see you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday. He's making a list and checking it twice Gonna find out who's naughty and nice Santa Claus is coming to town 
He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good, for goodness sake. Oh, you better watch out. You better not cry. Better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. Checking it twice, he's gonna find out who is naughty and nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness' sake. Oh, you better watch out. Better not cry. Better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. 